0: Hey everyone and welcome to the Nerd Room where we talk all things comics and movies. This is episode number 88 where we're discussing Marvel and Netflix, The Defenders. I'm your host Tim. I'm Troy. And joining us from the Tumbling Sabre podcast, a great friend of the show, Kyle. Hey guys, how's it going? Oh, we've been dying to get someone from the Commonwealth onto this show. We have yet to do this. This is our first forte into having a guest from the Commonwealth on the podcast, and we're absolutely honored, Kyle, that you took up the invitation to come and review The Defenders with us. Yes, appreciate it, buddy. Are you kidding me? That?
1: I get to be in the nerd
0: room. This is, this, is, <laughs> this, is, this
1: is amazing, guys. Thanks for having me. This is awesome. We've got the crossover episode
0: going on Yeah, now. the crossover. It was Alas. promised. it. Was, it was conceived on Twitter yes. by Troy and Kyle. There and it's we go. It's now happening. Nice. Now, Kyle, you spend a lot of time in the Star Wars sandbox, and why don't you give everyone a bit of insight as to what you're watching, what you're reading, what you're doing in the Marvel world these days?
1: Well, I I try to keep up as best as I can with the movies, though shamefully. And boys, you can you can click hang up on me if if this really if, if, if this is criminally <laughs> offensive. But I I've, I've yet to see Doctor Strange. Ooh. Uh huh. <laughs> or Homecoming. Oh no. Oh, hey. oh so I'm I'm sorry, Troy. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, geez, what else? I, I, Guardians two. Okay. Oh man, you're, you're I'm <laughs> way behind, guys. You this this behind. is embarrassing. This is embarrassing. So, but it like. It might relieve you to know that these these burn these like really hurt me to not have have seen these yet, so i'm gonna get to all that stuff as far as what I read in print right now i'm indulging in uh my love for x men i'm mean, I'm not reading a whole ton of Marvel right now, but the x men stuff um i'm you know the, the blue the gold nice I'm into that stuff right now
2: nice is is gold that uh, old man logan is that his team
1: he's on that team right yeah okay um yeah, it, it they're both. There's they're, see, I was out of comics for a while, so now that I'm back in, there's still some names and faces that I don't know. <laughs>
0: yeah, I've been reading since 2011 almost religiously, and I still don't know some of the people that they brought in recently. Yeah. It's
2: just really hard to follow these days, especially with Marvel and the X Men, because you have like that young generation, the the, yeah. the, the past or present team of the X Men, and then you have the current team. So that would be pretty confusing to hop into for sure yeah hopefully this legacy I've, I've, I've struggled things,
1: but... I've I've struggled with some of the Marvel stuff since since I got back into it it was actually the the new 52 that pulled me back into comics yep and then of course Marvel what did, was it Marvel now their their follow-up initiative to that
0: oh yeah they've done everything they all knew all different they yeah. all knew all new Marvel now point two and one <laughs> and three all sorts of so stuff. I,
1: I I jumped back in you know with both feet and they almost immediately lost me I was like what is going on here guys so I've I've gone in and out of Marvel. I'm trying to stick with the X Men. Cool. Uh, I've just always loved them. And but the, as they've kind of jerked me around a bit, I've decided to sort of recoil and go back to when I was a kid. So what I'm trying to do now is rebuild my collection of Uncanny X Men from issue 200 to 300. Oh, wow. So I'm nice. I'm about halfway there. It, was nice. Jim Lee on any of that bit? Uh, towards the latter end, yeah, he was. Okay, nice,
0: nice. That's some good stuff in yeah, there. That Uncanny. Oh, yeah, great stuff need to develop some of that stuff into right. movies, TV shows, yeah, whatever, yeah. anything. All right, guys. Well, we're here tonight to discuss The Defenders in its entirety. And what we're going to do here, we're going to just jump straight into spoiler territory. You're not going to worry about trying to give a high-level review of this because it's it, there's so much content here that I don't think we can get bogged down in trying to do a non-spoiler and a spoiler review. So we're going to go into everything here. So if you have not seen The Defenders yet... Just click pause, come back a little later because we're going to go to all sorts of depth like with this. And like with our normal movie reviews, we try to run through it somewhat chronologically, but just hit on the major points, going through the big plot points, some of the character developments, and also where this fits in and connects to the wider MCU, if at all. And with that, I think it's time that we kind of lay down individually what we've seen coming into this. Now, there's five different seasons each consisting of 13 episodes, so 65 episodes in total. And so that pans out to about 54-ish hours of TV watching to build into Defenders if you're going to do this in its entirety. Now, if you were to take all 22 movies that are building into <laughs> Avengers number four at two hours apiece, that's only 44 hours of film watching. So your commitment level to this Defender series is on the order of ten hours more than it will be to watch the entirety of the MCU.
1: <laughs> so tell that's me, that's really crazy that when is. you put it that way. That it's
0: pretty wild because the thirteen episodes too. That's something that we've constantly hit on. It's like that's too many. It's too many. It's too much time commitment. And when you put that into perspective, it's like holy geez, that's a lot of time. And I, I gotta know, I gotta know from you, Troy, and you, Kyle. Have you guys put in all fifty-four-ish hours? To build into the Defenders. Well, I've I've watched
1: both seasons of Daredevil, Jessica Jones, Luke Cage. I did not sit down to watch Iron Fist. Right off the hop, I heard like nothing but negative reviews for it, so I stood back, and then before I knew it, bam, Defenders was in our lap. So I figured, well, you know what? I'm just gonna skip Iron Fist, and maybe I'll go back to it at some point. I'm just gonna dive right into Defenders. Yeah. But yeah, the, as far as the movies, I mean, I, I I let you guys know off off the top that I. <laughs> I I'm a bit behind on the movies, but otherwise, I've seen everything for the most part. Yeah. I'm, I'm almost there.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, much like you, Kyle, I've done everything in the, uh, the Netflix universe as opposed to um, Iron Fist. I stayed far, far away from that. Um, didn't have any interest. I do find, though, going into Defenders, that I pretty much could piece everything together without seeing Iron Fist. But it's crazy for the general audience to know that they've spent more time with Danny Rand's character than, like, Hawkeye. You know, or even Iron Man, or
0: Iron Man. Like that's <laughs> that's just beyond anything. You know, when you when you break it down like that. It's yeah, it's, it's it's pretty wild the amount of time that you've had to commit to this universe. And yeah. I like both of you guys. I have not watched Iron Fist, but no. I've watched everything else. And and like and I I consume the majority of the content that the MCU or MCU adjacent series puts out. Mm-hmm. So I've seen all of Agents of Shield. I've seen the one shots, Agent Carter, everything. Right. But I, I just yep. couldn't commit the thirteen hours to Iron Fist. And that that's and I agree with you. I don't think you need it. I, I I love all this Marvel content. Yeah. But stepping away from something that was going to consume thirteen hours, I just couldn't justify it no. with the reviews, with what I was saying. And, and you're right, Troy. You don't need it no. to watch this. You get it. You understand what Danny Rand's all about. And maybe us having a bit more of that comic book background helps. But at the same time. <laughs> He's essentially the MacGuffin of the movie right. and you don't really need to know much more than he's Iron Fist. Yeah. Right? You, you don't need that. Like it, it's it's hard to say that because <laughs> I love what they do, but thirteen hours just isn't worth it for me. No, no, not with
2: that character. I don't know if it's the actor or the character, but uh I checked out with him. Uh going to you guys, cause uh Kyle, are you familiar with Agents of the Shield? Did you mention?
1: I have watched every episode of that uh, and Agent Carter, so yeah. Okay, that, that's also a a grand time commitment. Yeah.
2: <laughs> so, so with those two series, do you f- see those shows going the same route as the Netflix? Are they separating from the MCU as well, or like with Ghost Rider? Absolutely, being in there? they are eh? Yeah.
1: Uh, well, I, I I felt Agent Carter was actually pretty tightly connected to the MCU, so I, I was really happy with that, and and very sad to see it go. Right. But yeah, I mean, outside of the first and second seasons, and you know. And also, I guess whenever they have a movie coming, Thor Dark World, when that came out, I remember they they brought in, um, uh, what's her name?
0: Yeah, Lady Sif. Sif. Yeah. Lady Sif, yeah.
1: So they brought her in. So they do these things, but it's not so much for story purposes as it is to get people out of their seats and into the theaters. Right. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's and it's a promo and, thing. Yes. Yeah, it's even I even see it more of the reverse where it's, hey, look, we have Thor: of The Dark World references in here. You should come watch the show that wasn't getting yeah. great ratings at the time. That that time was horrendous, by the way. Right. <laughs> it was basically like <laughs> it, was it was so bizarre. It was basically they showed up in London and picked up the pieces of Thor: of The Dark World, and we're like, oh my god, Asgard. Let's and clean this up. Yeah. Oh no. It's basically, like yeah, it was it, really <laughs> strange. But well, it,
1: it's funny to hear some of the cast from Agents of Shield sort of take swipes at their at their bosses, saying, yeah, they said they. Would keep us connected, but we're not. I think it's Chloe Bennett who just keeps talking about it. Yeah. Wow,
0: <laughs> they, they, they do usually have these off-handed references. Like in the most recent season, and that they they referenced the Sokovia Accords, and they they referenced what was going on in Washington during Winter Soldier, and at, during the Inhumans line, they mentioned the fact that these uh, robots were coming or whatever. Oh, okay, so Ultron so right. references. Okay, so cool. there's little tiny things in there that that make you at least think that okay. Sure, I get it. But then this whole Inhumans thing rolled out and what are we going to do here? So they, again, are taking another step away. And this almost is a whole TV division. So you almost have three adjacent universes that are tied together really by one event, and that's what is referred to in this whole series as the incident. This is what I would consider the Battle of Yavin for the MCU. Right, it's, okay, good call. Yeah, it's the incident or the Battle of New York or the Chichari of Evasion, whatever you want to call it. That's our point of reference for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., for the Defenders, for Daredevil, for even for the MCU itself. That right. is like a major point in time. And that's usually what I base all of the continuity building off of is where can we get relative to the incident. right? And right. that's the common thread through all of this. Everything else is one step back. You don't see a lot of references to what happened in Sokovia or Civil War or anything like that. It's not referenced in any of this. Mm-hmm. And I think they're really missing out here because when you step back and you look at the continuity of this, it's it has so much potential, especially with the Sokovia Accords and all that, to add in these little bits of Of information and little continuity ties that I think would elevate this to the point where I'm like okay I I really understand what's happening with this now and and I want more of it I want that that continuity building but when you when you step back and look here I, I always thought that this whole line this whole series when you go from Daredevil to Defenders was in this isolated little pocket about a year or two after the Avengers and that's why we don't get any references Of Sokovia or Civil War but I went back and watched a few episodes of Daredevil season 1 and they outright mention there that it starts two years after the events of Avengers so that already puts us into 2014 and the Winter Soldier timeframe and these are all about six months apart with the exception of a few that run concurrently like Daredevil season 2 and Luke Cage and then Iron Fist layers on that and that bleeds directly into the defenders. So technically in the timeline, we're up to about civil war. And oh. I can't for the life of me figure out why they just don't drop a few of these references. I don't know what the the reason is that they're so reluctant to reference the wider MCU.
1: Do you guys it would be really helpful? Yeah, yeah. It would be really helpful helpful for them to do that because I feel like the things that were going on in New York in the Defenders they're pretty traumatic to the city. I, I can't for the life of me understand why somebody like Steve Rogers wouldn't just show up and be like, hey, dudes, is, you got this under control? Is this all right? Yeah, or, or Tony Stark saying, things shaking the city from hundreds of feet underground, I'd like to know about that. Like, There's no reason why those guys don't show up to check things out. Right. Especially uh, unless a- unless they're off doing things like like uh, Civil War yeah. or Winter Soldier. Like That makes sense. So allude to it.
2: Especially going off of Civil War, because you have a guy like Tony Stark who's been keeping tabs on these other heroes, such as Spider-Man. So how has he not discovered Luke Cage or Daredevil? Yeah, even right.
3: Yeah.
0: Yeah, it is a missing piece, and that's something that with the building of these these cinematic universes that is really hard to keep track of. Especially as you extend into different media like TV and comic books and all that, is it's you got to keep track. You look at Lucasfilm, and they've got a, a group of people that look after this to make sure the continuity is built properly. You're not overlapping with certain things. And I think Marvel lacks that to some degree, uh, having a champion of continuity to say, look, Daredevil and Luke Cage, they're they're rolling around in New York right now. But at the same time, this is when the events of civil war and they're off the radar. It's it's very simple dropped lines, I think, that could get them out of these situations. But then you see, you look into Spider-Man Homecoming, and this isn't really a spoiler for you, Kyle, but... Um, they, they mess up the continuity in there a bit. They're starting to, to relax that it's all connected and everything matters idea behind the cinematic universe. And that was really prevalent, I think, in Spider-Man Homecoming to a degree. It's just a lot of dates don't line up, which bothered me. <laughs> <laughs> that drives
1: me nuts, Tim. <laughs>
0: it's it's so, It was so simple. It's like just whack a year off of something. or or I, it's, yeah. it's, it's so easy to, to prevent things like this. And the fact that people just... Don't pay attention; it drives right. me mental. Because it's just numbers they,
2: they they throw it up. Yeah, and just up. it just yeah. doesn't
0: line up with the, the events of the Avengers and the events of what's going on Homecoming. It's just right. very simple, just Carely simple thing. math yeah. that gets you yeah. to this point. And they don't do that. Yeah. But that is that is my rant about it's all connected or it's not all connected. Right. Because I think you you really can watch all this in isolation, and you don't need. The, the MCU continuity. But in the back of my head, I love the idea of it. So that's why yes. I have a tendency to rant about it a bit. <laughs> I'm right there with
1: you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but I think it's time that we actually jump into this series here. I think we've, we've kind of set the stage. We, we've left some ambiguity in the air as to exactly when this is taking place, but likely sometime in 2016 around the events of Civil War. We, we have a good idea going into this because we've all watched the, the important series, which I would just consider Daredevil and Daredevil Season 2, to understand what you need for this series. Yeah. I think I, without those, it gets a little bit confusing. Watch half of Luke Cage, just the first six episodes. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, that's one, one of the big things here is that, Netflix and Marvel knocked this down to eight episodes from the regular 13. Did you guys find this to be a much more manageable watch outside or with five less hours of TV watching time?
2: For me personally, I did. Um, I think going on since the first season of Daredevil even, as much as I loved the first season and the second season, I've always complained that I think they could have been down to 10 episodes or eight episodes. I'm glad they finally did that, especially going into the defenders. I really do like the fact that they scaled it back a lot because I feel like when we get to about the middle of the season, that's when we kind of get some weaknesses Yeah, and I feel like there's always a little bit of extra fat and it's not even just the Marvel cinematic universe or the Netflix Marvel universe. I also feel with a bunch of, um, Netflix originals, orange is the new black, um, stranger things. Even I feel like those shows could all be cut down a little bit. I'm really glad they did it here with, uh, or defenders season one.
1: Yeah, I, I I tend to agree. Although, you know, I, whenever somebody saves you 40% of your time, th- <laughs> you know, thumbs up. But I, I found that by the end, you know, it, it took a long time for this series to really get going. It was, what, three, four episodes before yeah. the whole group was together for the first time, yeah. which w- which is one of my only gripes about the series. But by the end, I found myself wishing, oh, man, I'd, I'd like to see these, this group together just a little bit more, just kicking a little more ass. You know what I mean? Yeah. So when it was over by the end of episode eight, I'm like, okay, look, they kept it nice and tidy. Yeah. I appreciate that, but I'd, li- I'd like a little bit more.
2: You just get into it, right? And then they cut you off. Yeah. Yeah,
0: Yeah. exactly. Well, that, that's what a good series should do. It should cut you off to the point where are like, I really want more of these characters together. And we're going to s- spin out into four different series with plus Punisher. So there's going to be a lot of, of building before we get to the Defenders again. But I have to agree with you guys. I really like this eight episode. I felt it felt it dragged a little bit at the start, but overall, this was so much more manageable to watch. This is something I could sit down and watch two episodes at a time yes. and then burn through this and really in four sittings, as opposed to something that that really lulls in the middle and you find yourself, like even Luke Cage, I yep. had a hard time getting through because... It just really lulled after... We're full spoilers for all the the, the Netflix series now. <laughs> but when, I, when they kill Cottonmouth, I'm like, okay, that's when it really started to drag for me. I Big was like, uh, you, you lost your best character, or one of your best villains in here, and, and now I had a really hard time picking up the back end of that series. And I don't feel that you get that in here because you don't have the opportunity... To, to drop it for two or three episodes and you're committing three hours to like okay let's just get on to it i just want to see daredevil back on screen right i, n- I never felt that in this and i think it has a lot to do with a much tighter writing but also the fact that it's only eight episodes long the the, the big thing here too with the, this team up and, and it's like any team up we, we've seen it in the avengers we've seen it with the justice league or we're going to see it with the justice league i guess we yeah, saw on bbs <laughs> yes exactly <laughs> the, the driving force here is it's it's up to the individual characters but before we can do that, the the narrative in itself must really drive them together. And we need to to really understand these individual characters who in their own series demonstrated very different motivations. So I think even more so than Avengers, these characters, yes, they have that same kind of down-to-earth gritty vibe, but they're extremely different characters. And I thought one of the strongest parts of the plot was the way that they're able to drive them together using the story. It wasn't a MacGuffin or something. Well, Danny Rand kind of is, but it was more that they're individually coming down different paths that all intersected at a single point. And I really, really liked how they did that. They didn't take too much time, a little bit too much time, but not too much to get these characters together organically. Did you guys see the same type of thing or was it more so, like the Avengers, where it's kind of just we got to collect them up here. Maybe Claire Temple is the one kind of slowly pulling everyone together. Yeah, I, I just didn't get that Nick Fury, that 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 uh, Bruce Wayne vibe of right. collecting your heroes to get to a certain point because I envision something happening in the future. Right. Right.
1: No, this this was four people making the decision to work together yeah. despite their differences for the greater good. Like Jessica Jones, you could you could feel her reluctance in wanting to join the team, but in the end, she decided. You know what? I can't say no to this. People are really going to get into trouble if I if I don't help. Um, same same. Well, I mean, Luke Cage in his heart of gold, right? He's he's not going to turn his back on anybody.
0: No. yeah. Yeah. I I, I really like that aspect. It 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 came to me kind of as I was looking back and, and reviewing through some of my notes that I took. That how different they could have taken the blueprint from Avengers and said, yeah, we're just going to gather these guys up and then have them fight the hand. But no, it was it was narratively driven, and that's what I really loved about
2: it. Yeah. Yeah, and I agree. I really like what they did with Jessica Jones actually here, having her kind of eventually turn. Because I felt Jessica Jones in her original series was a little bit unlikable. Um, And we didn't really get to see her make that turn of what she did in this um, TV series, The Defenders. So I do like her having that changing point. And I really like... um, Luke Cage kind of being like the Boy Scout kind of like the Captain America in yeah. a sense just like a heart of gold like Kyle mentioned so I really do like how they all came together and it wasn't just um yeah a Nick Fury guy being like look this is what we need to do yeah everybody assemble <laughs> <laughs> yeah
0: all right well let's we've, we've talked about a few of the characters here we got our main cast of, of Iron Fist, Danny Rand, Luke Cage, Jessica Jones, and Matt Murdock, Daredevil let's talk about some of the individual characters here and we're going to kick it off here with Jessica Jones because you just reminded me of, of, a, of a single point here that, that I want to get across and when I, when I look back on the Jessica Jones series, I, I actually quite liked it. I quite liked her character, but I liked her a bit more in isolation. I found that in this, she was good. Kristen Ritter's awesome. She portrays the character fantastically. Don't get me wrong here. But I found that that continued reluctance really started to weigh on me during the back half of the series, I was like, okay, I get that you don't want to be here, yeah, but you need to be here. <laughs> but she just kept reiterating it, and yeah. we all knew that that she had, and she was going to come back. She had kind of this this attraction to this team, to this problem, and she needed to be there. But I just felt it was. She never kind of made a joke and said, you know, I kind of like you guys. Oh, okay. I, I kind of like. I was looking for a bit more of that towards the end of the series. Did right. you guys, did you guys see some of that, or did you guys enjoy Jessica Jones's kind of like? It was and it's almost a theme running through here is the reluctant superhero.
2: Right. Yeah, it really worked for me. I I she kind of gave me like that Raphael Rebel vibe, the Wolverine uh in the group, you know. And uh, like I mentioned before, I didn't necessarily like how she did it in the her own season, but it really worked for me. There's a lot of payoff in this one, especially getting to see her kind of connect again with uh, Luke Cage was great and just seeing her interact with um Charlie Cox was yeah. really cool actually. That's one of my favorite parts is seeing those two interact. So I uh, yeah, I guess for me it worked.
1: Yeah, I I you know, if I had to choose I mean, Daredevil's my guy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, he's the linchpin of this whole thing. But <laughs> the rest... I mean, Luke Cage, again, bless his heart. But Jessica Jones, I thought, had probably three of my top moments in this. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, you know, there's that quiet moment at the end with Luke Cage where she kind of reconnects with him. And mm-hmm. I think you see a little glint of somebody starting to give a damn yeah. about something other than herself. Yeah. So maybe that it's an indication that she's going to embrace what she is. Mm-hmm. Um, and there, there was a couple other moments too. The, the moment at the the Chinese food restaurant, where it's it's Danny and Luke and uh, Matt, and they're in the restaurant and they're being surrounded, and then that van slams oh, through the wall. That's incredible. That's yeah. what an that's that's a Luke Cage moment, but it's Jessica Jones who slammed that van through the door yeah. or through the wall, excuse me. Yeah. And and of course of course holding up the uh, uh, the the elevator shaft. Yeah. That. When, yes. you know, yeah. yeah. Danny's looking up, at her going holy <laughs> bleep.
0: Now, now you make me feel bad <laughs> those those were all really good <laughs> moments hers. she's a good character yeah don't get me wrong it's, like I said I was just looking for maybe a bit of an expansion of what you're saying there Kyle But that, that little glimmer of hope inside of her that she right. was kind of releasing that a bit and you get some of that in context with Malcolm and that and her kind of accepting his position in her life as, as being someone that yes yeah, she can rely on another human she can rely on another person so mm-hmm. I guess yeah. When you step back and look at it, maybe I'm a bit being a bit harsh on her as a character, and that she actually is showing maybe some progression outside of the Jessica Jones series.
1: Well, she can be. Don't be too hard on yourself, Tim. She can (laughs) she she can be a bit grating. It's just like yeah, you like you said before, like dude, like if if any one of us had those superpowers, I would never go to work again, and nobody would make me. I'd be (laughs) just running the streets, just lifting things and throwing things around, freak my face off. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) Jessica just just learn to like it yeah. just please <laughs> embrace the superhero
0: well, well that's one thing that's an interesting point troy too about uh the, the alcoholism they really didn't hammer on that as much yeah. in this they may have not had the time to continue with that right but that was a, that was a big point and that's a, somewhat of a point in the comic book too is that she's basically a functioning alcoholic with superpowers too. right
1: <laughs> well it, it's interesting i i did notice that and it you think back to Iron Man 2 when they sort of did the yeah. whole demon in a bottle's right. arc very very condensed but I, I I you know by the end of that I was like okay if Tony got hammered once that's supposed to be like a big deal in his life the alcoholism right. I feel like in both those instances Marvel tiptoed around that yeah. and I I get it right it's this is entertainment for all ages but also you know kids are going to be watching this I don't know that they need to see like booze bags on screen no <laughs> but um <laughs> I thought they did dance around that just a little too carefully.
0: Yeah, it didn't have any relevance to the plot outside of, for me, for comedic relief. It was just like all of a sudden she'd hammer a beer or mm-hmm. chug whatever. And they, when she gets a bit darker as we slow down towards the middle of the series, that's where I start to see kind of this, this self-dwelling and, and kind of getting back into that Jessica Jones from the series. And then she pops right back out of it. Yeah. But all in all, great character. Kristen Ritter just nails this yeah, character she owns too. It. Yeah. Like it, it falls right off the comic book pages. Mm-hmm. Absolutely love it. And now another character here. This is a character that all of us is was our first introduction here in The Defenders. And that's, that's Danny Rand or Iron Fist. Now, he's played by Finn Jones. And one of the complaints I've heard coming out of Iron Fist is actually his portrayal. And you see hints of that, I feel, in this series. But as it goes on, I find that Finn Jones gets better and better, especially when they pair him up with Luke Cage. Finn Jones, for me, he's the only one, and this really strikes me, that blindly, pun intended, just believes or has faith And exactly what he's doing. He believes his destiny is to take down the hand. Where everyone else is very reluctant to even accept the fact that there's this super secret organization that is dealing with mystical powers. And you see Luke Cage playing off that a lot. And I think the juxtaposition of those two characters really elevates Danny Rand. really elevates Finn Jones.
2: Right. Especially when he mentions, I punched a dragon. Yeah. I I love that scene between the two and he's like, really? (laughs) Yeah. That's where the chemistry really rises, I find. Yeah.
0: Well, the the audience perspective is Luke Cage on the majority of the stuff that Finn Jones, that that Danny Rand is talking about. And he sometimes he goes off and he's so serious about it. And he's so convinced at what he's telling. Luke Cage just looks at him. What are you talking about? Like, (laughs) I love that aspect of it. Yeah, it's it's golden. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. Definitely. What do you think of his partner, Culling Wing? Now, I don't have really any familiarity with her from the comic books. Um, but she was a, a nice piece, I think, to this whole puzzle is that she was uh, wants to be a hero. She wants to be something more, but is the only one without superpower. She's highly trained, but she doesn't have any innate abilities to, to be something like a Jessica Jones or a Luke Cage. And I liked her paired with Iron Fist because he goes around as being somewhat like I call them the MacGuffin, but he becomes what could be the most powerful superhero in this Netflix universe. And then he's paired with someone that has really sweet sword fighting or katana fighting skills, right. but he's not super powered at all. I really like them pairing together.
2: Yeah. I, um, I remember when I saw the first episode of, um, Iron Fist, because I only did make it through one episode, maybe two, Um, she she was definitely uh, the best thing that I saw coming out of that show, and she really helped um, Danny Rand a lot, I felt, in that show, she really carried the weight, Um, and she did the same thing right off the bat going into this series, too, she did, she got a little weak for me towards the end, I kind of felt like we didn't really need her, Mm -hmm. like, about halfway through, especially, like, in the police station, Around that point, I felt she was kind of useless. Yeah. Um, and I didn't really care much about her backstory, but I guess at the same time, I didn't finish Iron Fist. Mm-hmm. So I, I just don't know. But I really do feel Danny Rand works best when he's paired with characters like her and Luke Cage. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, just to take this over to Star Wars, because I can't help myself. <laughs> yeah. I, I thought the pairing of, of uh, Iron Fist and Colleen Wing reminded me a little bit of Finn and Rey in that oh, one of them yeah. is super powered, but doesn't quite have a handle on their powers yet. And the other... Is not powered at all, but is super plucky and and gung ho and willing to do the right thing at all times. Right. So I I thought that was an interesting parallel with those two.
2: Love it.
0: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I definitely can yeah. see that. Love bringing Star Wars back into, <laughs> the, into the discussion.
1: <laughs> and and well, listen, it's 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 Colleen Wing. It's Jess Pava, right? Jessica Henwick.
0: Oh yeah. I'm not familiar. You're right. Uh, I did that. Totally escaped me.
1: Sorry, So the, that? the female X-wing pilot from The Force Awakens is that's that's. Yeah. That's no Jess way. Pava. That's Colin Wing. Oh,
2: man. Well, there you go. More Star Wars for you. Yeah,
0: always always one step removed. Oh, yeah, never too far. That. Oh, <laughs> man. Awesome. It all comes back to Star Wars, boys. <laughs> it always does. It always does. Yep. All right, guys. Well, Blue Cage. We've all mentioned him here at, at different points about how he's elevated other characters. He becomes what I would say is the moral compass for the Defenders. This is the guy, like you said, Kyle, with the heart of gold. He's out there to do good. And he's out there rocking that yellow t-shirt as well, yeah. which
2: I loved. Yeah. No, it, it's cool. You know, um, he really carries those characteristics of like the the new Avengers yeah. run, you know, where he could lead a team eventually down the road. You could see him take on that mantle. And uh, I think he works pretty well with everybody. I, I loved his moments with J- Jessica Jones. And I just want to Heroes for Hire now with him and Danny Rand because he he really elevated Danny Rand a lot. I felt um, those were some of the, the highlights for me in this show. So, yeah. Like my culture a lot. Yeah. Great. Luke Cage.
1: Yeah. He's he is just wonderful. Right. I mean, he's I have no familiarity with these characters from my youth as growing up reading comics. I knew of them, of course, but I didn't invest any of my time or money in them as kids. So this is my really my first introductions to them. And he is everything I hoped Luke Cage would be. And I don't know I have no idea if it's faithful to the original interpretation of the character from the seventies or eighties. I don't care. Like, he is perfect. I love the portrayal that Mike Coulter brings. I love the way they write him. I love his, his eternal optimism and yes. willingness to, to stick up for for everybody. Yeah. He, I, I, I can't say enough good things about that guy.
0: No, it's, and it's it's interesting because it deviates quite a, a bit away from the original Power Man iteration. Right. We get some references to that in Luke Cage with the chains and, yeah. and the... That, T.R. and all that and the the wrist gauntlets but if you look back at where luke cage actually came from the comic books it's really out of the bendis era of avengers and new avengers he elevated not only luke cage but jessica jones and also had a pretty good run on daredevil so you look at all of these characters that are in this series brian michael bendis had a major influence on getting them to screen and correct me if i'm wrong but he wrote alias yeah, Jessica yeah, Jones. He wrote most of Luke Cage and brought him to the forefront of Avengers books. And he's got a pretty solid run on Daredevil. So it's interesting. You take a look at the three best characters in here. They're pulling a lot from that Bendis era of writing. Bendis is the man. Yeah, <laughs> he's great. Have you read much Brian Michael Bendis? There, Kyle.
1: Uh, only insofar as he's done X Men in the last five six years. Yeah. yeah. And I, but I know he's he's you know he's kind of on the uh, the top rung of, of comic book writers today.
0: Yeah, he, he kind of yeah. ushered Marvel through that whole era of Civil War and Secret Invasion. Ultimate Spider-Man in the 2000s yeah, there. Yeah, Avengers disassembled. Yeah, he's, he's done quite a bit. And Some people are, are a bit polarized with what he's done, but I, I, I think he deserves quite a bit of credit yeah. as to getting these characters to the point where, yeah, we want to make TV series of these. These are these are characters that may have not have been seen on the screen in the absence of Brian Michael Bendis. Yeah, And we got to talk about one character here, guys. We gotta, it's, it's Matt Murdock, Daredevil. Oh, yeah. Charlie Cox. Holy man. I tell you, we, we called Civil War Avengers 2.5. Could you call this series Daredevil Season 2.5? Oh, for sure. <laughs> I'd say so. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, I, I didn't think of it that way, but I, I don't have a problem with that
0: at all. To me, th- this picks up on a lot of the threads a lot of Daredevil threads from season two, from season one. And and really allows Charlie Cox to show th- this really, I'd say tortured side of, of Matt Murdoch. He he's dropped the facade of Daredevil. Right. He's, he's taken the costume off and he's going to, he's a pro bono lawyer now and he's, he's doing good, but he's he, killing it. He, he court? struggles oh, yeah. so much. And I think without Charlie Cox, you don't quite get that. He is, Everything he does, and especially acting the blind, like as a blind man, it is unbelievable to watch him act. The way that he moves, his body language, the way that he's how he listens to things, and it's it's so well done that I, I'm always craving seeing him in that daredevil outfit. But I want more and more of Charlie Cox as the series goes. I want to see him doing the parkour and seeing him right. like he's he's got these, these innate abilities that just make him so. Fun to watch. And it's just a joy for me to watch Charlie Cox portray this character. Yeah, I know. He, he, he's a star. You want, sorry, sorry, Troy. You, if
1: you want to see how how jarring it is, to how, how, good he, how good Charlie Cox is at being a blind guy, just go on YouTube and watch him do an interview, like a press interview with somebody when he can actually see the person sitting in the room with him. It's so weird to see yeah. Charlie Cox <laughs> interacting with somebody where he can see them. And it just speaks to how well he pulls off the blind guy. <laughs> it's incredible. Yeah.
0: I don't know like how did you guys feel about them keeping him out of the suit until almost halfway through the series I was I was almost assuming I knew coming out of that that he had he had dro- kind of dropped the, the moniker of, of Daredevil for at least a bit but I was expecting it a little more but I'm happy we got it when we did
2: yeah no it, it worked for me pretty well especially you know they kind of call it out once he does put on the suit it looked a little weird not the suit itself just uh just the having the character surrounded by the, the, the main <laughs> team and they're kind of like, What's with the suit? You know, so I kinda like the fact that they did that. But um, man, it, you know, it's so good to see him embody this role of of, of Daredevil. He seems very seasoned. He's kind of seems like that that Batman we never got to see where Batman returns, where he comes back and he, he throws the costume on. We never got to see that in the in the in the films done well, and I feel like he really nails it here in the show with such short time that he has. So no, Charlie Cox just kills it. I can't wait to see more shows of this character. I can't wait to see him and Punisher go at it again, and man, just nothing but good things. He's the star of this show, hands down. Definitely.
1: Hey, can I throw you a question at you guys? Yeah, fire away. Do you feel like Defenders was as much as it was a, a sort of a culmination of the other four series, do you also feel like maybe it was built and designed as maybe a jumping on point, or a, self, a self-sustaining little mini-series? I feel like They kind of give you a little bit of background to each character's emotional uh, mindset and where they were at that point in time. But then, you know, not seeing Daredevil in his suit until like the midway point just goes right back to season one of Daredevil, where it took him, again, X number of episodes before he was actually in the suit. I figured they're they're doing this again. Now, is this for the people that missed all what came before? And this is sort of a condensed version of everything? Or is it, I don't know, what do you guys think?
0: Yeah, you know, it's it's probably a good good point because I was trying to step back and I really wanted to show a couple episodes to my wife. But I didn't get around to it because she didn't watch Luke Cage or, or Iron Fist, but she did watch Jessica Jones and Daredevil. But I wanted to see if she understood the essence of the individual characters without having the, the contextual background of the other four series or other five seasons of those series. And... I think when I when I try to step back, I think you get it. This is a good jumping-on point. We talk about comic book number ones and the good jumping-on point for getting into a comic book. And you look back now at 65 hours of, of television to watch. Are you really going to go back and watch all that? Or are you going to jump into this, this eight-episode mini series and then say, well, I kind of like these characters. I can take this opportunity now. And maybe I'll just go back and pick up the trade, if you will call it that, right. of Daredevil. And go from there. So I think you're probably probably hit the nail right on the head there, Kyle. Is that it's effectively an issue number one point one or an issue number whatever? To this is a great jumping on point yep. for this whole universe.
2: Yeah, no, I completely cool. agree. That's that's a great way to actually look at it. Yeah. yeah, it totally works because you know it gets overwhelming when you get into the fifth season and people are telling you these great things and you're like, well, gotta start by season one, but it's like, well. I need a jumping in point. And like you mentioned, you start with Defenders and it it does it. I mean, it it worked for um, Iron Fist. I didn't have to go back to that season. It it completely worked for that character. And I think it does work for even like Luke Cage, Jessica Jones. So yeah, I like that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. and It's interesting too because with Iron Fist, I guess that's our our only perspective as as to a jumping on point. Mm -hmm. And we all got it. And there's a lot of... The history of like Kun Lung and some of the, the Danny Rand and the Iron Fist characters is, is linchpin to the overall progression of what they're doing in New York. And contextually, we don't have a lot of that. We don't know the details of Kun Lung as they're explained in Iron Fist. We don't know about the, the whole issue with the dragons and all that, but we all kind of accepted it and got it. Now, I, I'm not versed in Iron Fist comic books. And I, I still understood what was going on. I got the gist of it. And I think that's what's important about a number one is it gives you that opportunity to, to go forward or backwards with a jumping on point. Right. And this Defenders, like you said, Kyle, it's a jumping on point. You could go backwards or forwards and still get it all. That's but, a good point. Yeah. What did you guys think of the chemistry of the Defenders? Because for them to work on screen, maybe as well as Avengers... These characters had to be believable coming out of their series, but then they also had to fit together and make sense. You called out Troy about Daredevil looking a bit funny next to Jessica Jones and Luke Cage. I really like that. Right. And then you add in Iron Fist there without really a costume on. Yeah. And so essentially you have three street kind of civvy clothed heroes with Daredevil in his full gear. Right. Did you find that the chemistry between the individuals, because we had independent moments where Jessica Jones and, and, and Matt Murdock interacted and Luke Cage and Jessica Jones and Danny Rand and Luke Cage. Did you find all of that worked as a whole or did you find that in isolation they worked better as individuals with each other or how did you see the chemistry of the group coming together towards the end of the series?
2: Um, action sequences, I'd say they worked great yeah. all around. They kind of tried doing the Josh Whedon kind of stuff. I think it was it episode three or four when we finally saw them all come together in the building. Yeah. which is one of my favorites. You know, Matt Murdock obviously takes Jessica Jones' scarf and he looks kind of silly again in the group. But, um, that really worked for me. But, you know, as the group as a whole, I don't necessarily know if they were that great together. It, if you took two of them out of the group together, it worked. As a whole, though, I don't think we really got that Avengers moment, you know, between like Thor and Cap and everybody kind of interacting with each other. So... I don't know. I might have to go back and look at that. I didn't really, I never really caught that.
1: Well, I, I think the closest thing to that sort of money shot, the the Avengers assemble, that <clears throat> excuse me, the Defenders assemble yeah. part, was was when Jessica rams that van through the wall at the Chinese food restaurant, and you, know, there's, you had the three guys in there, but now Jessica Jones is with them, and now you feel like, oh, okay, now it's 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 a bit more level. I think that was that only moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as the chemistry goes, I I think it's probably the strong point of the show. Because I feel like every character is very distinct. And I don't know who's directed these episodes or if it's the person who did Defenders did some of the other series. I have no idea.
0: The showrunner for but this I, was the same showrunner for Daredevil. Okay.
1: That makes... Okay, yeah. that makes... That, that's why Daredevil feels exactly like Daredevil. But Luke Luke Cage felt exactly like Luke Cage. And uh, Jessica Jones felt like Jessica Jones. And I, I can't speak for for Danny Rand. I, I didn't watch Iron Fist. But I assume... You know, he he it's the same thing and it just feels very seamless in that way. That there was no well, this character feels a lot different now. He's not speaking the same way, he's not acting the same right. way. It just all work together really well and these very different people. Uh you know, the, the the team infighting, which is sort of a, a, a trope when you put together these type of random collections of people. Yeah. That the infighting you know, Danny Rand is a bit woo-woo. And, um, <laughs> Jessica Jones is sort of, she just wants to go back to her to double fisting her whiskey and beer and Luke Cage just wants to be good. And, and what's his, Matt just wants to get Electra back and everybody's sort of got their own thing going on. And all those different agendas sort of played well off one another. So my, my hat was off to the directors and the writers. They, they I think they pulled it off yeah, perfectly.
0: I fully agree with you there, Kyle. I think that the ability to take these very different characters And maintain who they are and their character development throughout this without changing too much of Jessica Jones and I know I asked for her to to start to embrace the idea of the defenders towards the end but they're able through this whole series to maintain the individual characters but also made them work against each other and make them work with each other very well I think that as this progresses they all get better I don't know if they film these things sequentially but it feels like you can feel that chemistry, the, the, the give and take between the characters more and more as this series goes on. And I think that is a benefit to it all because you get this actual feel that, yeah, this would make sense. They're, they're really butting heads at the start, but the chemistry builds as they go. And even to the point where you have Daredevil saying to them at the end before they jump into the elevator shaft, you know, I'm really glad we met guys. Maybe not under these circumstances, but I'm really glad we found each other. And they're both of them Luke Cage and Jessica Jones was like, ah, I'm not hugging you or whatever, but <laughs> I thought that was a really nice moment because it's that acknowledgement, and I think this is the point for me where I'm like, yeah, this this really works here. This makes sense. Yeah, and that
2: growth for, for Matt Murdock, too, yeah. because if you go back to the beginning of the season, he wasn't like that at all. No. Right, yeah.
0: The only thing that, that I found for the defenders themselves that didn't work as well, and this is going back to some of the fight sequences, I think as a whole... They were good together when they were fighting. But the one thing that, that kind of bothered me a little bit and took me out was the juxtaposition of Daredevil fighting alongside Jessica Jones and Luke Cage. They're very crash and bash, throwing tables around, throwing individuals around, mm-hmm. where Daredevil is is all finesse. Right, acrobatic. Yes, yeah. and I found that more so than in Avengers when you have Hulk and Thor, and they're they're all big hitters yeah where this is very different fighting styles and even jessica jones hers is a lot of picking and throwing guys across the room where daredevil is he's up in the air he's he's got his batons out and all that mm-hmm. i i didn't get the, the fight chemistry as much as i did the interpersonal chemistry
2: yeah okay okay so so you like their their fight chemistry more so than you did with their
0: no i, I like their, the, their, the other way around the other way around i found the fight oh, the fighting okay. kind of the choreography was good but mm-hmm. as individuals they, they they fight so differently Right. That it just doesn't match up. You see, and you go back to the 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 staircase scene in Daredevil season two when he's fighting the dogs of war or whatever they're called. Yeah. that that is quick, hard hitting. It's mm-hmm. it's all over the place, and then you go to the other hallway scene from Daredevil. Oh, yeah. These all have hallway scenes, <laughs> but I find that. When Iron Fist and Daredevil are fighting in close proximity, it, it works better because it's quicker fighting, it's quick cuts. Mm-hmm. And then when you go to Luke Cage and Jessica Jones fighting alongside each other, it's a lot of big hits, smacks, throwing across the room, taking bullets. It's WWE. It is. <laughs> and so it's it's two different, and one's a lot slower than the other, yep. and it requires different cuts of the camera. When you're quick cutting for Daredevil and then you quick cut Luke Cage, you just don't get the same feel I find. Right. And I find that that took me out just a little bit. Not not as much that I didn't enjoy it, mm-hmm. but I found myself craving more of those those quick cut fights that we've gotten from Daredevil or even the, the Danny Rand stuff as well. Right. I, I felt that he was quicker and he's got that cool where he leaps off and does a Superman punch. Right. And that. Those fighting styles fit together better, whereas the crash and bang, not as much for me.
2: Yeah, and, and you know what? Going back to that too, when you go back to Jessica Jones' uh, her first season, same with Luke Cage, I felt their fight choreograph still kind of looked the same. So I guess it stayed true to what they've already established, yeah. but it just doesn't look that appealing as opposed to when you look at the Avengers, obviously, man, that looks great. Everybody wants yeah. to do that stuff. <laughs> yeah,
1: I, I thought they held back a little bit on on Luke Cage and Jessica Jones. like Those people that they hit... Probably should never have gotten up. No. I, I I feel like there should have been a little more smash, a little more destruction in their wake.
3: Mm-hmm. Definitely. I just
1: didn't, maybe I'm wrong, but I, I just got that sense that they, not that they depowered them, but um, yeah, there just, there just wasn't the amount of rubble I expected yeah. to see behind these people.
0: Yeah, well, with Jessica Jones and Luke Cage, they have somewhat of an undefined power set, I find. The, the, they Sometimes they go to the extreme with them, like Jessica Jones, and this goes right to your point, Kyle, she's holding up a, this huge elevator. And then you look at when she throws someone across the room and they just kind of bash into the wall. Like that could be her varying that power set. But at the same time, I I don't get that character ever slowing down for anything. (laughs) So
1: yeah, if she breaks your back, oh, well, that's that's too bad. Rub some dirt on it and
0: keep going. Yeah,
2: that's it. (laughs) Did you guys like the uh, Danny Rand fight and Luke Cage? Oh, yeah. Did that one work for you guys? Yeah.
0: I, I loved when he punched him in the face. Yeah. Because it's just, again, the, the one of the best fight scenes in Jessica Jones was when they attacked Luke Cage in the bar, and he's yeah. just kind of smacking the guys around. Yeah. And I get that same feeling here up until he gets punched in the face that he's like, who is this kid? This rich kid wants to fight me, <laughs> wants to go smack him away, and then he gets clobbered. It's the same thing that we see in that bar fight when the guy tries to punch Luke Cage in the jaw, and his hand just folds in half. This is the other way around, right. which is a really cool callback to the first... Big fight that we saw with Luke Cage in this Jessica Jones series. Yeah, definitely agree. Yeah. (laughs) Well, all good series, in the Netflix realm at least, have good villains. And we look back at our villains in this. We've got Wilson Fisk. We've got Cottonmouth. We've got the Purple Man. Punisher to some degree. And I'm not sure what was going on in in Iron Fisk. But (laughs) for the most part, this series this netflix series has had the most well-developed and at times probably the best villains in the mcu or mcu adjacent whatever you want to call it and what i'm seeing here and what i was hoping for was again that same villain and we got introduced this really cool concept relatively early on by stick and we, we know Stick from Daredevil. We know about the Chase. We know about this this huge battle that's been ongoing or this impending battle that's going to happen between the Hand and the Chase. We find out here that chased are all but extinct with the remainder of really Stick and kind of Matt Murdock, but not really. Mm-hmm. But one thing that I really loved what they did here is they took a lot of that history, a lot of the knowledge that we got from Daredevil, and they, they kind of wove this really cool origin story for the Hand, the five fingers of the Hand, in the essence that... When the elders of Kung Lung, they came together, they were studying the healing power of the chi. And there's five of them that wanted to use it to live forever. Yeah, and for they themselves. were yeah, yeah, for themselves. So they're very selfish reasoning. And they were banished and cast out. And that's what started the five fingers of the hand. When you go back to the comic books, the hand and, and what's going on in Kung Lung are very different storylines. They do not tie together the same way that they've done it here. But they've done it in this series to make everything make sense and to have a villain that seemingly has strung through the majority of these series. And the hand here as as the main villain, or the five fingers of the hand, we don't really get the, the henchmen as much in this that we did in Daredevil Season 2. But when we get introduced here to to Alexandra, who is eventually made known to be the, the leader of the hand, played by Sigourney Weaver. We, we looked at this character when we got the first set of images, the first trailers, and we speculated a lot as to who this could be. When you look back at this character as a whole, are you guys finding that she she stands up with Wilson Fisk, with Cottonmouth, with the Purple Man? Or does this whole build-up into the Defenders fall a little bit flat for you guys? What are you, how are you guys feeling about the villains here?
1: Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I don't. I liked Sigourney Weaver's portrayal, but I. It just. I, I think Troy and I talked about this um, via DM a couple weeks yeah. ago. That she kind of just fell flat. Like I don't know what her power set was. What were her abilities? What was? She, I know she was after immortality, but what was the hand's end goal? Why was everybody so afraid of her? Yeah. We never got those answers. I feel like they, that was just left hanging.
0: Yeah, it was, it was a, a real missed opportunity to have another really well developed villain. I agree with you. Her motivations to me, they're very selfish motivations. They were, I want to live forever, and and kind of the whole hand ideology and all that. It didn't make sense to me to have this all powerful organization that all they really wanted to do was live forever and go home. Yeah. Like, there wasn't that underlying, like, evil presence to them. Right. Like, I wanted a little more of it. They wanted to. Or they kept saying that they wanted to destroy New York. I never got a feeling throughout this entire series that they had, one, the ability or two, the real need to raise New York to the ground. I never felt that New York was in as much peril as Stick consistently said it was. Right. Yeah, like uh, that that
1: stuck in my mind the whole time. Why? Why does New York need to go away like like Joker says Gotham needs to die? Like it doesn't make any sense.
0: No. And like you look at, exactly, you look at Joker for an example there is, he has a reason. He wants to burn up the corruption and start from scratch, right? He wants to see the world burn. Right. Whereas in New York, we never got that. No, like and from the hand, I, I never got that this organization that had infiltrated or seemingly infiltrated every level of government, kind of like a hydra type thing. Right. And I, I never got that that full payoff. It seems from any of the the characters. And where they're going in in Daredevil season two, I thought, okay, this is this is a much this is an ancient battle that's been going on. And mm-hmm. why has this been fighting for thousands of years? Just let them come back to Kung Lung. Yeah. Like <laughs> I, I, I never fully understood. And Sigourney so Weaver as like we were really excited to see an actress with that stature in the Netflix series. What yeah. are they gonna do with her? What's it? She, to me she always felt like like a cowering weasel like there's one scene in particular it's one after the royal dragon when they're in the bar and they kind of or not the bar but the the, the, Chinese, the restaurant. Chinese restaurant yep. and she's in the car and she rolls down the window and watches all the yeah. other four fingers fighting and then she rolls out the window and drives off yeah I, there's there's no point in here where she displayed her power set like they did not take the time and they had the time to develop a villain here no. Like they have in every other single series. Every other single series for me has had that opportunity that the MCU movies don't. And that's time to develop a villain. And for whatever reason, they chose not to. And, and then the biggest sticking point for me is you're finally seeing this character, kind of the plan come together. And then Electra kills her. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, I feel like it was a weak bait and switch. Yeah. yeah, definitely. And we
2: got that again last time in Luke Cage when we we're getting like the peak. All this momentum building up for a cottonmouth, and then he gets taken out in a, in a very poor way. Yeah, and we got the same thing here with Scorning Weaver, especially when you get someone like her, like you mentioned with her stature, you want you want her to go full out a big swing, and um, it, was, it was a miss for me. She didn't really do much. We got to see everybody else in the hand portray their, their skills. Mm-hmm. And we didn't get to see what she could really do as a threat. So I thought that was really poorly done. And um, yeah, I don't know. I'm kind of on the fence with the Netflix villains because I I do like uh, Kingpin, obviously. Yeah. I think he, he, he's great. I like what they did with Cottonmouth. I didn't really like Purple Man. Um, and who else have we got? I I guess I didn't really watch um, Iron Fist there for their villains, but I felt like this time we are really going to get a big villain to to rival Kingpin. Mm -hmm. And I guess if you want to throw in Punisher... Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) next level. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Very unfortunate though.
0: Yeah, it's... it's Maybe sometimes we get treated to to things like Kingpin and that, and we're always asking for so much. And I, I tried to step back and look and say, all right, we're having these four characters come together. Is she or is the Hand as a whole... A worthy opponent. And I think you said it the best at the start. It is it's wow, wow. Like it's <laughs> I'm I'm waiting for more. Yeah. And I never really get there because the whole bait and switch too with Electra and, and her coming back into the folds, it wasn't like they switched and gave you a villain that that had clear motivations and that could stand up against the defenders. Because that's the one thing about Electrica that I never really got. And, 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 I, I really like the character and, and the actress that portrays her, but this whole black sky thing and her being the ultimate tool, the ultimate right. weapon, she always was getting tossed around. Like she never really got to the level where I would, or I could imagine her fighting all four defenders and, and taking them on and them having that, that struggle. I thought that's where they're going with this, that she was going to be empowered with something and it was going to be the four of them against her. Right. She only killed like
2: the henchmen. That's all they do to demonstrate her power was killing off henchmen. Yeah, and Daredevil
0: spent... And some of that is this whole emotional attachment with Daredevil that she never really kills them, never really goes full on. But she doesn't really stop anywhere and and kill people with the exception of Stick and Sicorny Weaver, this Alexandra. Right. So I, I never really had that clear motivation of the villain. And I think that's what subtracts a bit from this whole series when you're looking at the villain perspective is that I never knew what any of the villains were after. I knew why the defenders were together to stop this villain, yeah. but I never knew why the villain was there in the first place.
1: Yep, and I, you know when, when Elektra murders Stick, I almost feel like she was doing us a favor because <laughs> I thought his act, I thought his act was up, man. Like Stick, we we get it. They felt like every episode was just Stick saying more and more of the same warnings, the same. <laughs> It was the same thing over and over, all the way back into season one of Daredevil. It's like, we got you. We know what you're doing, Stick. And then she, like, ended him. It was like, okay, good. We don't have to, we don't have <laughs> yeah, to hear him anymore. Stick's
3: up. <laughs> Well, and it's, it's yeah. funny
0: you say that, too, because Stick, at, at that point in time, was, was trying to kill everybody.
2: Yeah, he's trying to kill the Iron Fist. Or, yeah, Danny basically. Rand. Yeah. And
0: he had this in his head, after drugging Luke Cage, yeah. that... He was going to kill the Iron Fist, the the protector of Kung Lung, which to me conflicted a bit with his ideology and the whole thing with the chase. So some of that, I think when you look at Electra, you know, was she actually saving the defenders to some degree from Stick? Well, like Stick had, he always seemed crazy and he always pushed Matt and Electra to a certain point, almost to an abusive state. Right. But for me, like you said, Kyle, like she, she did everyone a favor by by <laughs> killing Stick, and he was he was becoming unhinged at this point. Like he had lopped off his own hand, Great. and he had become so embroiled in this idea that he was fighting this holy war that he was taking things almost to an extremist level. And her ending him, well, kind of yeah, took that well out. to
1: take it back to Star Wars again. Stick is Saw Gerrera. Yeah.
2: Well, yeah, he's that extremist, right? He's going to go to those measures and, you know, by, by killing down Iron Fist right off the bat, then you have the, the, the season's done. Everything's yeah. over. Um, so, yeah, I am kind of glad that they finally got rid of him because it's kind of getting a little jarring having that guy pop up every now and then doing the same thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Did, did, you, did you get the emotional stake that was there at all? Because Stick basically raised Elektra. Yeah. He corrupted her. He abused her. Yeah. <laughs> and then she's the one that finally kills him. Um, you didn't really see Matt mourn him very much. He, he got a little emotional about it. But I thought that there would be more emotional stakes there. When he she did strike him down, I was a bit shocked. I was a bit like, whoa, that, I wasn't really expecting that. Because he's made it through so much in this <laughs> yeah, series. The shock factor. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Including
1: cutting his own hand yeah, off. Yeah, just, like, just casually.
0: <laughs> huh? and, and why didn't he just cut his thumb off? the Star <laughs> Wars reference there, right? <laughs> yeah, cutting the hand off. <laughs> Going into phase two. There's <laughs> the reference right from the MCU. <laughs> And getting back to Electra a little bit here, we saw at the end of Daredevil season two, we saw that something was going on with Electra and we get right back to that and understand and revisit that whole rebirth of Electra through what eventually is revealed to be dragon bone powder or whatever. Yeah. Um, did you guys... In- Joy Electra? Did you like her fight scenes? Did you find her as imposing? I know we've kind of touched on this a little bit here, but overall her presence in this series, do you think it, it added to it or it was just a nice portion of, of wrapping up Daredevil season two with, with Matt because he's she's a real emotional focal point, a real driver behind Daredevil for this series, more so than anything else, more so than even being a villain.
2: You know, uh, going back to the first season, I didn't really care much for, or I guess technically the second season, uh, but her first appearance, I didn't really care much for the actress or Elektra. And I know I'm in the minority because a lot of people actually did like her, but I didn't. I actually felt she was better in the season except until it got to that point, uh, maybe it was episode six when she killed off um, Alexandra, that's when she started to drop from me. I do like her trying to, you know, figure out things and get her memory back with her and um, uh, Daredevil at one point. And I do like her action scenes. And overall, I thought she's kind of better playing like a dark character than she was playing like the rich kind of black cat yeah. um, kind of character. But um, yeah, all, all overall, she she worked for me, just not as motives. Her motives were just lacking big time. That was a big disappointment. Probably one of my biggest actually in the show was her motives. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I, I I gotta echo that. Like, I don't know. She, you know, she takes out Alexandra. I, great. Now you're you're the boss. Right. But why? You don't seem to share the same drive to be immortal. Yes. You want to be the boss of the hand? Fine. Now what? Like, you guys have completely different goals. Or what are your goals? <laughs> They'd really like. Do you even want to be Electra, or do you want? To, or sorry, do you want to be Black Hand or Black Sky, or do you want to be Electra? Right. What is your deal? Who are you?
0: Yeah, they really need like a, a goal setting page or something like that. They need to a mission statement <laughs> yeah, if you novelization. <laughs> I need an outline as to what the hand motivation is here. Yeah. I, yeah, Sometimes I, I like them because they're cannon fodder. And they were great cannon fodder in Daredevil season two, especially on the rooftop. There. That's great. And they, they kind of I think some of it too is that there was a lot of the hand that was shrouded in mystery throughout all these different seasons through Daredevil and that. And having this final revelation, you've kind of built up in your head. It's like it's like again coming back to Star Wars, it's like you have this headcan and you build this up as to what the revelation is gonna be, which I'm really afraid of what's for Snoke. <laughs> um, and you've gotten to a point and you're like, oh, okay, that that's it. That's I just imagined it being this huge cannon fodder, like ninja army, that comes barreling out of of Midland Circle, and we just see this this Avengers esque moment yes. where the cameras surrounding them, and it's like, all right, here we go. And I was really hoping for a Punisher. At oh, that point. Can you imagine like a
2: sniper <laughs> shot or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: So the hand is there, and we, we talked about Electra, We've we've talked about some of the, the the characters, the supporting cast, but embedded in a lot of Defenders here is a lot of smaller subplots and a lot of series building seeds for the future and, and reference material. And I felt for myself, there's, there's a few episodes in here, particularly episode five. It's, it's, it's aptly called take shelter where it's the whole series taking a break. We've got through that, that, that fight at the Chinese restaurant, the first kind of defenders team up. And then we're taking a break here and, and pumping the brakes. And we're saying, here's all these, these other characters, because now, once they captured that that one finger, they were able to say that sounded weird, but <laughs> they were able to say, or he was projecting on them that your families or your friends are not safe. So they kind of gather everyone into a single spot, and we have this really weird moment where we have crossover of everyone, like Trish and Malcolm and Foggy and Karen. Oh, in the police station. In there. the police station, yeah. and throughout the series, we had kind of slowly gone to certain portions. We saw Trish talk, and she was giving some exposition on the the earthquake, and then right. Foggy's. Helping out Luke Cage and and Karen's you know over here providing again some of that moral compass and or that that sort of you know look Matt this isn't the what you should be doing right and and kind of deterring from him where you got Foggy being the enabler so did you like the presence of all these supporting casts or did you find it, it weighed down the plot a bit
2: you know in doses they're okay but until we got to the police station scene that's when I thought it was a little ridiculous <laughs> I, I, yeah I, I really didn't care for them especially the point where um what was it um. Iron Fist's uh friend I, I forgot her name sorry um her, Culling, sidekick calling wing yeah so when she takes back her sword the police officer just gives her back her sword to yeah. go and do her, her fighting I, I thought that was kind of weird it just didn't feel right um their interactions it's kind of cool to finally see them all gel together I guess that was the payoff but I really could have done without that police scene I really do like Misty Knight though throughout this uh she's, season. Awesome. she's great and and I, I saw some uh future poster works for, for coming up or future image images coming up for the next season. She looks good with a fake arm. No, love that. Love that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I like, I like all those secondary characters. I thought they were setting us up for something really heavy when they just kept hurting all Mm -hmm. of the friends and family into that police headquarters. I was like, Oh goody. Like all we're going to lose all these people in one fell swoop. Aren't we? Yeah. And it's going to start with Colleen wing. Who's going to take it on herself to defend all these people. And she's done. But I'm, I'm glad they didn't go that route That because I I, I dig all those characters. Misty Knight was fantastic. Uh, Colleen Wing was great. I, I think the only one that maybe got a little bit shortchanged here is Karen Page. Yeah. I feel like she just didn't need to be in this almost at all. Like the whole season, she could have been out? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I like I, I, her contributions to Daredevil season one and two. are. You can't take that away. Right. You need her there. But I, I felt like in this... She really didn't serve any purpose other than you know, just being another familiar face. Yeah,
0: I agree. The thing with Karen and Foggy, I felt for, for Daredevil, because, and more, more Matt Murdock, because he was struggling so much with th- this battle between am I Daredevil or am I Matt Murdock? Can I be both or do I have to be one or the other? I found that Karen and Foggy for me played a bit of that, that yin and yang, that, that devil and angel on the other shoulder where she's saying, Matt, you can't do this. And you got Foggy saying maybe it's time just to embrace yourself get this out of you and he's kind of the enabler of all of it and so I liked that that give and take that that play between the three of them where you do have the different ideas of what they think Matt Murdoch should be and it turns out Matt Murdoch isn't one or the other he's he's kind of all of it yeah. he's kind of both and I, that's why I liked having them in there and I liked Malcolm because he he humanized Jessica Jones a Definitely, bit more yeah
2: I really did like one and
0: then you get that with Trish as well and I so I liked all the characters in there and because they have the episode lengths and the time in here eight or eight plus hours I never felt that they're taking away from the, the main narrative to tell slightly different stories to set up further things to have these characters nicely interact together and you've got this glue that is Claire Temple that holds all of this series together. She's the Phil Coulson, if you will, of MCU Phase 1. She is everywhere. She's all over the place in this Netflix series. She shows up in in all five seasons of this building Iron into the, well? the... Iron Fist as okay. well. I haven't seen it, but apparently she's in it. Because right. she makes reference she to knowing, yeah. calling Wing and all yeah. this. So yeah. I really liked all these, these subplot characters and, and how it... It made and humanized some of these characters and gave them, I, I called Luke Cage the moral compass of the Defenders, but I think these individual characters like Foggy and Karen give a real emotional and, and in some degree a moral focal point for each of our heroes. They have someone that they all care about and so that is another reason weighing into why they have to go to battle for the hand because now all these people are at risk. So, and, and Misty Knight, yeah, next level. They needed that element in there. Of the real world. They needed to acknowledge the fact that all this is going on. Where are the police? And I like that they've got Misty Knight in there being that real world cop. She also plays to a degree the, the audience perspective. Like this is all batshit crazy. Like right. what are you talking about? <laughs> like she was constantly confused. Yeah. She, yeah, she spent the whole series like <laughs> what do you. like? Because Luke Cage too. Same thing. It's like what do you mean you can like take a bullet? Yeah. And like, so I liked seeing her in there because she plays this this character that's calling all the shit out, even more so than Luke Cage. Right. And then by the end of the series, she's got her arm lopped off and she's slowly becoming one of those people with abilities. Yeah. And I yeah, she was great. She's she's awesome presence. We're gonna see her in Luke Cage season two as well. And I she could be another character that I could see popping up here and there throughout the other series in Daredevil and just for an episode or two. And because they've they've got a lot of strong actors and They can use those actors and those ties to bridge the gap because this is a really tight-knit universe, and it's starting to feel pretty small, actually. But at the same time, as a continuity buff, as someone that likes to see that, they have so many characters they can pull from now that now know each other, that that have a reason to be in a certain spot, and it doesn't feel like it's shoehorned in. So I think going forward, I'd like to see a lot more of this crossover and building of the universe within each individual series. And By the time we get to Defenders, it's... Whole nother level.
1: Well, can I ask a quick question about um, uh, Trish?
0: Yes, Hellcat. Is
1: this supposed? Is this supposed? This is Hellcat, right? Yes. Are they gonna do anything with that?
0: You know, I really don't think so. I think that they could do things with Calling Wing. They could do things with Misty Knight. Yeah. But Trish just seems like. A wink and a nod. Yeah, mm. it just it's it's a character that they they they've put in there, the best friend of Jessica Jones, and they even made reference to her costume. Or no, that was um, Jessica Jewel. Jones Jewel's yeah. costume, not Hellcats. But I I think it's more of a, a wink and a nod to the much larger comic book universe. Because can you picture her on the streets with Jessica Jones fighting people? Like at this point, no. no. Like no. they they need. To, I'm not even sure of her real power set. Um, Hellcat. I'm but. not too sure. I, mean, I guess
2: if, if anything, they dive more into it in season two. Yeah. But I just don't see them going that route.
0: No, it's mm. it's it almost it's starting to push the limits of things. I think you need characters like Malcolm and character like Trish to ground Jessica Jones a bit more. And I think if we're ever going to see her become less of this reluctant superhero, it's because of those two characters. And I don't know if they're going to go this way in Jessica Jones season two. But to me, it's like those are the two characters that you need to affect for her to actually step into action. right? And maybe coming out of Defenders, that's going to change. Maybe she's adopted a little something different, a little more like Luke Cage, but you still need those type of characters that that ground and humanize these individual characters, especially the ones with these big power sets that are somewhat ill-defined and they don't really want to use them, but they have to use them. So th- there's a lot more I think you could do there. All right. So we, we've mentioned here that the Electra has, has taken the leadership of the Hand. She's come to the realization, as have the Defenders, of the importance of Danny Rand, particularly him acting as more of a key to something. And they've teased this in Daredevil Season 2, this giant pit. And if you go back and listen to some of the the writers for Defenders, they had no idea what was going to be at the bottom of this pit when they first wrote it. They just wrote this in to the series as this kind of cool concept. The hand are doing something. We don't know what's at the bottom of the pit yet. And as we go through this series, I'm, I'm getting more and more curious about this pit, about what Midland Circle is to the hand. And when we finally get the revelation as to what it is, did it meet your expectations? Were you expecting dragons underneath deeply buried in New York? Or like, were you expecting an entrance to Kung Long? Like, Where did you think they were going with this? And what did you think of what was finally revealed to be what I thought originally was like "fing, fang, Foom or something. Oh, but. <laughs> wow! Can you imagine? <laughs> but dragons in New York. Thoughts. Um, the the budget
2: was lacking here hard. This this is pretty bad with the the corridors going on with the bones and whatnot. Yeah, it's kind it's kind of a letdown actually. Um, yeah, it, it, it didn't really pique my interest that well. It was kind of a letdown. A pretty dark, pretty low budget. Probably the uh, yeah, it is weak. I don't really have anything else to go off with that one. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's I, I like what Troy said because i I had no clue again I don't know Kun Lun. I don't right. know what possibly could have been down there and then we get down there and it, it's it's a dragon skeleton I'm like, oh my god that is so cool that is so cool but that's that's it yeah. like there's no big shot of it there's we don't get to really explore it we just kind of see the rib cage right yeah and and you said it troy it's it's budget yeah. it's probably a budgetary thing they just could not develop a bigger set or a more elaborate set to d- to show this thing off so i i was I was let down. I was blown away by the concept, but the execution of it left me kind of just, eh. yeah. Wah, Wow! <laughs>
3: there it is. <laughs> well, the,
0: the, the whole pullback shot of when Danny Rand wakes up after Elektra's kind of conveniently tricked him into punching the wall. Right. Yeah. Um, I, I really liked the idea. I was like, this is really cool. My first thoughts too were think, thank food, like something bigger is going on here and they're going to tease something for the future, whether that's iron fist or whatever. But, like you said, once you get into the nuts and bolts of this, this whole scene, it kind of quickly resolves itself. We get this quick explanation from Madame Chow about how it's it's the, the bone grinds that eventually turn into the serum that allows them to live forever, and this is why they wanted it. But I never really got why it was there. Why was this thing 30-plus stories underground? Like, what had happened in New York? What was there? Like, why was, or why did the chase or whatever put this lock and key around it? And I, I know I'm asking for, for a lot of maybe exposition or something in a little more depth, but you go and you throw a, a dragon or you introduce dragons into the MCU. Let's expand on that a bit, that whole idea, the whole concept of it. Like I get what they did there is, is just for this kind of cool abstract way or, or mythical way to have th- these bone grinds be the actual serum. But at the same time, I'm, I'm looking for a little bit more detail. If you're going to throw all this at me, give me a little more. Like I, I want to understand why the dragons are no longer... I, it's, it's asking a lot, but I just wanted contextually a little more to, to this mythos behind the dragons and I'm sure if I go back to the comic books I'll get some of that but we're we're sitting here reviewing a TV show in isolation and I kind of wanted that in that episode.
2: Yeah, and, and I'm curious to see how they handled actually dragons in Iron Fist because that's obviously the show I skipped and obviously we do know that Danny Man punched a dragon. <laughs> I'd like to know how they handled that there as opposed to how they did it in this show so maybe I'm lacking knowledge of this whole scene just because of the fact that I skipped that show. I don't know.
0: Yeah, the, the payoff might not be as much Giving that we didn't watch Iron Fist. <laughs>
1: well, you know, I, I hope, and I don't know if it was explained at all in Iron Fist. I would I would say no. Yeah. That's what but if they do. don't at some point explain to us how dragons got there, or maybe it's not. A, do we know that it's a dragon? Like I know that Iron Fist has that tattoo on his chest, so it's probably exactly that. You know, with the idea now of of aliens and portals, could it be some other kind of creature from some other place and time?
0: That would be an interesting way to explain it. Other than having the idea of like this mythical dragons that once roamed the earth, if it was actually just something that slipped out of Asgard, that would be kind of cool. Like that, that
1: would. And it it ties things together a little tighter, right? Yeah, exactly. Or something something related to Doctor Strange's universe. Yeah.
0: But from everything that I've read about the Defenders, it, it's supposed to be dragon bones. And that, that really relates into the history behind Kung K'un Long. The, hand, and the it, ha- yeah. Not so much the hand, no. but in the comic books at least. Oh, okay. Um, it's, it's all about Kung K'un Long and Iron Fist and dragons and all that. And right. There's, there's a specific dragon that this one's supposed to be, but I, I don't have the, the comic book background in okay. Iron Fist to tell you exactly which one it is. But yeah, it's... Tie, they could have used this as an opportunity to tie something bigger. Like we've got guardians, we've got Asgard. There's a lot more they could have done with this. I think that could have answered some of those questions or tied things together a bit more. Like we we're talking about at the top of the episode. And one of the things here that that we do get in this, this deep cavern beneath this Midland circle is we get two fight scenes. We get one between Danny Rand and Electra. And this one, like you said, th- this almost comes down to budget. This is, as with some of the fight scenes in here, they, they were filmed in the dark with a lot of quick cuts. Right. And the the, the final fight scene I find is quite good, but the prelude to it with Electra and Danny Rand is probably one of, of Finn Jones's worst choreographed pieces in this. There's there's a point where I'm certain he threw a punch and you could see it like WWE style. Like it missed it the guy and the guy. That? So <laughs> <laughs> I, I, was, I was thinking, and it just looks slow. It looks choreographed to me where you look at what they've done with Daredevil and I don't know how much is Charlie Cox and how much is the stuntman but that seems seamless to me and it's at this point when I'm thinking why didn't we put on the Iron Fist costume and have a really great battle between what is considered as the the main tool for the hand and what would be Kung Lung's main tool in Iron Fist and have this really epic one-on-one highly choreographed Really quick fight as this battle between what would be propped up as the, the weapons of each organization—the right, the chase and the hand. the hand. Yeah. So I, I think that would have been really cool to do something like that, and I really wanted Danny Rand, Finn Jones to get into that costume. They kind of tease it a lot with him wearing the green that's all cut open, right. and you can see the the tattoo on his chest. But I wanted to wrap up with the with the mask and yeah. get into costume here, and and have him stand back to back with Daredevil at this point. I really thought. Because I know from Iron Fist, just from reading, that he never gets in the costume. And I wanted him to get in the costume in this. I thought this would have been that that opportunity to drop a new costume within this Defender series that we haven't seen before.
2: Yeah. It's interesting, though. I don't know how they go about his costume it'd be kind of hard to to pull off in this world, especially, you know, when they even kind of poked fun at it with Daredevil being costumed up and then he's obviously not. And, you know, his mask is kind of similar to Daredevil when he used like the scarf. Yeah. So it'd be interesting to see how they pull that off. I I would love to see him in the costume because I think in comic book form, his costume is actually one of the best. It's actually kind of neat. Yeah. But uh, I'm with you. I I wish we got to get a better fight scene out of that one for sure, especially to get that payoff Mm -hmm. at the finale here. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It seems like they missed their chance there because I don't know if Elektra is going to remain... Bad. I don't. I. I doubt it. Maybe she'll always be a bit shady, but it, I. I don't see the, those two coming to blows again. No.
0: No. Not at all. I think I. I would even question if we're going to see lecture again, because when we when we get to the to this final battle, we've got some pretty epic fight scenes throughout here. Some of the best choreographed, and also some that that are a bit subpar. But we get to a point here where where Daredevil makes this ultimate sacrifice. We've got one of these subplots running with Claire Temple and calling Wing about trying to blow up the building and collapse all this in on itself and put the hand to rest once and for all. But then we also got Matt Murdock and Daredevil here having this this last really great fight with Elektra. This is the fight that I kind of wanted and the emotional stakes that I kind of wanted between Iron Fist and Elektra. Is this Matt Murdock and Elektra fight? This is next level. Like this is, it's not as quick as what we've seen in the past, but the emotional stakes at this point in the series are huge. And I just love how they ended this with the two of them. They embrace at the end here, and then we'll get to the, the after credit scene, as we'll call it here. But how did you think, or what did you think of this, this last whole fight sequence? And there's this one point here I'm going to bring up after you guys give your thoughts. <laughs>
1: well, it was a great fight, and you know, they, were, they were not really leaving anything on the table they were really going after each other choreography was super tight Uh, they looked believable they looked like they were really trying to end one another although i guess although matt more than anything is trying to get through to her in desperation before the whole building comes crashing down on them uh, i i don't remember was was it was he really just trying to keep her down there so that she could not escape again or was he trying to break through to to her and then get out of there I, i can't remember now
2: that's what I was wondering. I definitely think he was trying to break through to her, but I don't know if he actually had an endgame plan of to get out or if he was just trying to end the blast guy there by yeah. keeping her down there. That's a good point. I don't really know actually what he was trying to achieve.
0: My my whole interpretation of it was because of what he said to Danny Rand about take care of my city, okay, protect yeah. my city or whatever it was, that he had he had relinquished the fact that he wasn't coming out of there. He wanted to take her and connect and reconnect with her and, and almost die with her well looking at her like well having the satisfaction of i know who she is underneath and i was able to get through with to her and in turn her, it's almost we're going to come back to star wars here again it's almost what i feel like like luke was trying to do with vader at the end of return of the jedi it's like we could die here but i want to prove to myself that that you that you are you're good that you have this redemption in you mm-hmm. and i think that's to me what they're really getting at i see that as a bit of a parallel is that it's about the redemption of Electra after all of this. And it's him that needs to do that. This is something that he needs to do whether he lives or dies. Okay. Is something completely off the table at this point even. He's accepted the fact that he isn't getting out of here. But he wants to make sure that Electra dies at peace. That, that's what I took away from that scene.
2: I like that one. So I like that. It. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> sometimes I think a lot about these, <laughs> maybe overanalyze a bit. Um, one thing that I wanted to bring up here and, and talk, and I don't get me wrong, guys, I, I really love this series. And I know sometimes it's easier to to pick out some of the things that that stand out to you that aren't as well done. And this is is one of those things. <laughs> this whole last fight sequence, I, I really loved. It. I, I love them fighting all the cannon fodder and all these ninjas, and they're going up in the elevator and all that. But what the hell was with the music? Yeah, the Wu-Tang they threw in there? Yeah. It felt out of place. It totally it place. took me right out of this this climactic fight scene yeah. where you've got the, the bomb literally ticking down in time, yeah. counting down the seconds to when this fight has to end. Yeah, You've got all the heroes doing their thing, and then all of a sudden, Wu Tang's blaring, yeah. and we
2: haven't heard any of that throughout the whole season.
0: And it, it, the emotional stakes were so high at this point. I was sitting on the edge of my couch watching this. I did not know what was going to happen. I didn't know where this was going. And then I sit back. I'm like, like, what am I watching right yeah, now? Like, it, what just happened? Like, it, it worked in the Luke Cage stuff. It, for sure, it, it works in context. Yeah. Even even in the Iron Fist, I think yeah. they had a bit of that. Yeah. But this to me, it, it totally pulled me out. Yeah.
1: Yeah, not 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 quite the time for jokes like that. And yeah. I don't know if. It, it, um, what method men was in Luke Cage, right? Yes. Yeah. Amazing little cameo there. I don't know. Maybe they had some kind of deal to get some Wu Tang in at some point And this is where they thought it fit best. But <laughs> if it was a joke or supposed to be funny, I, I don't know. I, it kind of fell flat. Yeah, It brought down the stakes for sure. for
0: yeah. me. You do this to me when you have iron fist and Luke Cage fighting a bunch of a hand, at some point early on. Other, when they've yeah. each other, even the, that's when you bring to me that, 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 feels like a moment where yeah okay this makes sense yeah. if you got a bit of this in luke Cage and a bit of this in iron fist yeah sure i i get that but at probably the most critical moment in the movie i don't want to be pulled out i want to i want to hear the the the, the cinematic theme that they've got in there that they've built into this and that that really really took they me dropped out. it hard yeah. too <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah because it was all and then yeah it drops and then you got daredevil flinging all over the place kind of half to the music kind of half, like so it was like what yeah. is happening?
2: Like, was that the first choice, really? Yeah, that's, that's a little
3: different.
0: <laughs> <laughs> bit strange. Bit strange. But we come to the end here. We've got what looks to be the death of Elektra and Daredevil. The, the, what he's whispered to Iron Fist is to protect my city. We get a bit of a tease of what we thought maybe could be Daredevil, but turns out to be Iron Fist, right. potentially taking up that, that protector of New York mantle. Everyone has seemingly gone their own ways. We get some connection with Jessica Jones and luke cage but as we go through into what i'll call the the end credit scene here we've got matt murdoch laying in what appears to be some sort of catholic hostel of some sort and a nun named maggie is called which is his mother in the comic books yeah. and this scene is directly from a shot in the comic books yeah, born again from born again yeah. so they're mm. really teasing hard what they're going to do next in daredevil um, and I, I like that I think that this is a appropriate way to end it this is as far as I'm concerned this was a continuation of the whole Daredevil arc and they're ending it here with here's what's coming next we're, we're kind of taking this point forward and we've teased everyone with Daredevil so like you said at the start here Kyle here's your jumping on point here's your excitement factor for Daredevil season three which is I believe one of the next ones to drop outside of Jessica Jones season two Okay.
2: Yeah. Yeah. No, again, just seeing that end shot there with um, Matt Murdock and, and potentially his mom, his mother, uh, again, just kind of solidifies that this is like Daredevil's show still, pretty much, yeah. you know? So it is a great shot. We all knew, obviously, he wasn't going to die. Um, this, is the, this is the right way uh, DC could take notes here. But this <laughs> is the right way how you kill a character off and then he kind of show that he's still around. Yeah. As opposed to uh, Superman. But yeah, Oh no, I really like what they did there. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And well, if they're, if they're going to Born Again next... Boy, that's that's going to be tough. Yeah. Yes, it is. It's yeah. going to be tough. Especially for Paige. Yeah. <laughs> right? Oh, man. Yeah. I, I've I've developed a little bit of a thing for her. I, mean, <laughs> I, I may ask you guys to let me know which episode to skip.
0: <laughs> it's going to be a tough series. I think they're going that way. Like they, they've got to, they got to elevate these things now. Uh, what I've seen in the MCU is as you progress to the individual series, the movies, it's all about escalation. Things get bigger, things get worse to some degree. And Daredevil is doing that. Like we've we've got Punisher season two, yeah. Board Against storyline season three. It's gonna get heavy, yeah. real heavy, real quick.
2: So, so a question for you guys with the Netflix series, you know, obviously, or the MCU, we always have uh, the trilogy is kind of the KO. That's it. That's the mm. finale. Is Are they going to do the same thing with the Netflix series? Do you think after season three for Daredevil, that's it, and then they'll build up the other characters, get a Punisher season three, um, get a Jessica Jones season three, and that's the end because you know we have the announcement now that there's a Disney stream service coming along. The Netflix device will eventually expire. Are they going to continue doing it? Are they going to resign, or are they going to bring it over to the Disney stream? What are your guys' thoughts? I'm dying to know.
1: Um, I don't know. How far ahead into the future can you keep going with this team? Right. Like, are they going to bring them back for Defenders two, and they're going to fight who next time? Um, Kingpin. Oh, that would be really cool. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Vincent D'Onofrio's. Pro- I, I would say Vincent D'Onofrio might be the most compelling villain in in the entire MCU. Yeah. Period. I Think you'd find movies, a- TV, and Netflix right. combined. I'm with you. He's unbelievable. A lot
0: of people will will agree with you there. Yeah.
1: <laughs> he's just he's just so. He's a giant man child. A violent man child. Definitely. It's it's he he's he's a joy to watch. Yeah. Uh, I don't well. Obviously, they, the Disney will will probably take control of this when they move to their streaming service, and they're going to need some big hook to pull over subscribers. Right. It, I don't think it'll be enough to say, "Look, we, all the stuff you used to get on Netflix is now here. Come pay us a pre uh, Netflix plus an extra five dollars." Disney always charges more. Oh yeah. <laughs> they'll they'll need some exclusive content or a promise of something big coming. Is that is Defenders their their marquee property to do that uh, i guess by default at this point it is so i'd be very interested to see how they pull this group back together to take on another huge street level threat yeah. without again it's tricky right Cause it's like like tim said they got to raise the stakes to a point where it feels bigger than what came before but because from, like we said at the very outset an hour and a half ago that um you know everything's kind of being built in its own silo what they do next with the defenders can't be so big that guys like Tony Stark won't show up and just, okay, guys, let's, let the big boys handle this. You defenders go back to the park. <laughs> we'll take yeah. care of this for you. And they mop up the floor in, in you know 15 seconds flat. Yeah,
0: yeah. One repulsor blast for Wilson Fisk. <laughs> See ya. Well,
1: yeah. Or I'll just grab him by the scruff of the neck, fly 50, you know, fly 100 feet into the air with them and just drop them. Yeah. <laughs> See how easy that was? Pancake. <laughs>
0: Well, I do know from some of the, the reading I did before this that I believe Netflix has ordered another 70 episodes of this all-encompassing series. Universe, okay. So that wow. means another six-ish um, seasons of whatever. Now that's going to be – I don't know if that includes the Punisher one, but yeah, Punisher – Four series, you know, season two through season three of these, and another Defenders probably before this series comes off of the Netflix streaming right. service. So we'll probably see more of when this Matt Murdock story ends in in Daredevil season three. Yeah, we'll get it picked up in in Defenders, and then we'll probably see from there. But being that this is a more of a, a seasoned thing, yeah, I I don't see them stopping, especially with Daredevil, if they have the content. And if they continue with Charlie Cox, I think they can really push this. There's a lot of material. Like we haven't even gotten bullseye yet.
2: That's true. In this universe, yeah.
0: right? There, there's a lot they can do with this. And and if we start talking about crossovers with different characters, you know, there, there's a lot they can still do here. They, they've chewed through a lot of Matt Murdock's story, but there's still decades of stories there. And there's a lot of good ones that they haven't done yet. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that the sky's the limit with this whole series, but whether or not it's going to go to Disney... Ooh, they'd be they'd be really tough for them not to yank that over.
2: They they must, especially once it expires, they'd have yeah. to bring it over to their to their because, service. Like this
0: is they they've spent the time to take their their B and C list characters and now make them to, to something so much bigger. They yeah. they spent the time they spent the money and they've got a forum for that now and an audience, a following. And they have to continue with that. Like, whether or not they leave this on Netflix and then they start doing things like She-Hulk yeah. and, and Moon Knight Cass, and all that. Blade, and yeah. Man-Wolf and all that kind of stuff. And, and bring that element yeah. through the Disney streaming service while continuing this. Ah, well, let's, wait and see. There's there's still a lot that they can do in this Netflix world mm-hmm. that isn't Daredevil or Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, and Iron Fist. They can add so many more elements on characters we're, like, realistically, we're never going to see on the film on film we're never going to see them in the mcu proper i don't think yeah it's, it's tough to say I, mean, I think if anyone could
2: do it it's, it's daredevil or kingpin yeah if anyone can make that jump it's, it's one of those well two. I, I agree with yeah. both of those yeah. but
0: i'm talking about your she hulks and Moon oh, Knights okay. and all that. Like, yes of course yeah right. you yeah. have that ability to to get these characters on the screen make a bit of money at the same time and and actually make them in that that environment especially like moon knight and that that they need to be in mm-hmm. you can't do a a Kind of Iron Man esque Moon Knight. No. This needs to be pretty violent. At Gritty
2: times. eight yeah. episodes.
0: Yeah, yeah, it needs to be there. But I, I can see this going for quite some time. I don't see them running this out at any point in time Right. in, in the near future. Television though no, is
2: tough though. Yeah, it is. It, it is tough. I mean, look at Lost.
0: Yeah, but <laughs> but yeah, but do you consider the Netflix television like? Yeah, sure. That's what you watch it on. But for me, this is so much more of a cinematic experience, an extended cinematic experience, because it has the budget, because it has the time to develop these. I don't view these as as TV shows because, to a degree, TV shows has that connotation of long, short ep, like long series, short episodes, and somewhat of a lower budget, like an Agents of Shield thing. Right. but this to me is, is cinematic the Daredevil especially yeah.
2: but I mean even if you look at things like Game of Thrones yeah, um, Breaking Bad they can only go so long even with that hour or 55 minute time mm-hmm. frame yeah it'll be tough to maintain for a while especially if you think about it we're already at what five seasons really now mm-hmm. so it'll, it'll, it'll be tough I, I don't want to see it go downhill even though we have had our, our moments of doubt here with mm-hmm. Iron Fist but
0: they gotta pull the pin yeah. when, when it's when it's starting to see that <laughs> coming down the other side of the hill there yeah but
1: <laughs> I got, I got one question for you guys. Yeah. Very random. This just came to me. You can, if you could have one superhero from anywhere in the MCU, a Oof. guest star in the same way that Punisher did in, in season two, who would you want paired with daredevil in season three, anywhere in the MCU? I'm
0: letting let you go first. Cause oh. I know who you're going to say. <laughs> I need a minute to think,
2: you know, I, I'd want to say Spider-Man, but I think he's just too young right now. At this point, I, I want to see the the more college student, the, the, the 22-year-old Peter Parker interact with Daredevil. Um, you know, what actually would be really cool is uh, Bruce Banner. You know, at one point Hulk did have uh, Matt Murdock be his lawyer, mm-hmm. and they kind of had a cool relationship going on there. So that would be kind of neat. It'd just be too hard to put the Hulk in that yeah. world. <laughs> I mean, it just—it just looks. You'd actually have to the put... the Hulk back in Harlem. <laughs> you'd actually have to put Uh-oh. Daredevil in the MCU. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, then you can you can have uh, Luke Cage and Hulk tangle a little bit. I don't there know how that that probably doesn't go very well for Luke.
0: <laughs> That would be pretty cool.
1: But it might be cool to see. Yeah. yeah.
0: That, that's well, who, who do you have?
1: I was thinking Ghost Rider.
0: Oh. Like a real Ghost Rider or the one from Agents of Shield?
1: The one from me a- <laughs> Well, yeah, the the uh, what what, Dan, what Danny, was that his name?
0: I can't remember his name. It's on, it's on the tip Something of my tongue. Something Reyes, isn't it? Yeah. Danny Reyes? No. I don't know. Something to that effect. Something Re- Reyes? Reyes Re- yeah. Was his
1: last name? But yeah, I the MCU that Ghost Rider brought into Ner- Netflix just give him an, an additional edge. That would be pretty yeah. cool. I think that would be a pretty cool thing. Oh, interesting. I
0: like that. You know, I, I always come back to this, but I'm wondering if, because he's got the, the roots in New York, I'm wondering if like a Steve Rogers oh. team up with Daredevil would be pretty cool. Is that you got Rogers revisiting his, his past in New York and then teaming up with, even in like a Civvies type style, with Daredevil, I think that would be pretty cool. Yeah, I ne- love seeing Cap lawyer to clear his name. <laughs>
1: yeah, well, they'd have, they'd have to get on with that, right? Because isn't isn't um, Chris Evans just about at the end of the line here? Yeah, I, yep. you know,
0: I always wonder about these guys because you look at Downey; he said he was done after Avengers or whatever, and he's been in four movies since. Yeah. I'm wondering if they, we're going to go to a point where they they scale back a lot of these guys and they do cameos like Chris Evans did in Spider. Well, uh, well, you kind of. It's not really a spoiler. Sorry. <laughs>
1: don't worry about it but the
0: the smaller cameos and like what iron man is to to spider-man and homecoming too um that their roles require a lot less demanding schedules from them and you see them pop up here and there and i I think that's where they're going with these characters because why would downey relinquish that like he's fully embraced the idea that he is actually iron man that he is tony stark (laughs) <laughs> like, but it, it's
2: kind of funny though when you see these guys kind of want to scale back and we've seen these guys do it like Vin Diesel before and they try and break out and do other movies yeah. and they bomb and they fail and then they go right back home to like mm-hmm. their franchise like Iron Man and like the Fast and Furious franchise because I think he had like what the judge yeah. and he tried directing or doing a couple other movies a couple of comedies didn't stuff work, like that yeah. didn't work and then he came right back to Iron Man
1: and embraced it yeah, yeah. interesting he peaked with Iron Giant <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs>
0: right all right guys, look, let's wrap this whole discussion up here. I think we've gotten through the majority of this. There's a lot to this 8 hours of content and I think we tried to synthesize this down into something that was somewhat coherent, I hope. But let's get to our recommendations here. We're going to start with you, Kyle. Do you recommend Marvel's Netflix Defenders?
1: Absolutely. It does not it's not without its flaws, uh but the the criticism it got i think was a little bit over the top and i would definitely say if you if you're if you're if you know these characters really well then what happens in the show might irk you but if you're like me and you you're not terribly familiar with these characters and you're just along for the ride then you will enjoy this there's no question about it
2: yeah i agree There, right with you um you know i, I mentioned before i skipped out on um Iron Fist, but this got me right back into it, You or to yourself if you're a fan of Daredevil season one or two, um, because again, this doesn't conclude a story, but obviously it carries over his story, so I recommend it, and it actually kind of brought back my faith into the Netflix series, because mm-hmm. I started to have my doubts, honestly, with the half of Luke Cage, and then with Iron Fist, this really brought me back into the forefront of the Netflix series, and I'm I'm buying my Marvel Legends again now for Netflix, <laughs> so uh, got me on board, so yeah, I recommend it, absolutely.
0: Well, I'm gonna have to echo both of your guys' thoughts there and I'm gonna steal a little bit here from Kyle from the top when he pointed out that this was in fact a good jumping on point. I I completely lost interest in committing the time to these series and we get this eight episodes that the writing's tightened up yes we discussed a few of the flaws and the missteps and sometimes that's easier to focus in on but there's a lot of really great elements here the daredevil story is absolutely fantastic in this the interaction and chemistry between our heroes is great and overall the narrative the driving together of the defenders i find is almost more organic than anything we've seen in a team and I absolutely love that element of it. There's there's some of it that, that veers into the mysticism that I'm not. Particularly fond of, but overall, wrapping up this hand arc and wrapping up what we've built into over the last five series here, over the last five seasons, I think this does a really good job at tying a nice bow on all this. and I'm ready to jump for it. I'm ready to get into Daredevil Season 3. I want to see more of Jessica Jones and Luke Cage. I really want to see a Heroes for Hire. I've seen that interaction between the two of them. I want more of it. So, yes, definitely recommend. This is a great jumping on point. If you're listening to this, looking for a reason to get into this universe, this can be your jumping on point. You can go backwards like you do in the comic books, pick up Daredevil season one and two, or you can just continue forward with this, this whole narrative that I think they're going to continue to build and tie these individual seasons pretty closely together until we get to another Defenders at some point down the road, because it is coming. And the next big one is Punisher and that's the one I'm really looking forward to. So oh, yeah. that's great. We got three recommends for the Defenders. We've got one more thing to discuss quite quickly and I mentioned it here and that is Punisher. We've got a little bit of tease at the end of this. Are you guys looking forward to Punisher?
2: Definitely. John no. Bernthal killed that role. Oh, man, I can't wait to see this. Can't wait to see it. Yeah.
1: Seeing his twisted side um, in The Walking Dead, talking about John Bernthal, uh, applying that to uh, Frank Castle, I'm all in. He he sold me right off. Like The minute they, they announced him as, as Punisher, I was like, damn. Nailed it, perfect. Yeah, like just stop everything, they win, and and I I think a a quick teaser dropped out today, didn't it? It
0: did. I saw it on Instagram. Looks intense.
1: (laughs) Really, like John Bernthal looks possessed and frightening, and that's that. That's good news for us as viewers. Bad news for people that are on his bad side. Yeah.
0: (laughs) So apparently that's going to drop here in November. They're being a bit cagey as to when the exact release date. They're playing a lot of this confidentiality to. Punisher and his history there's an episode called Kandahar so we're going to revisit some of his time in the military and builds into this, this psyche of Frank Castle so I'm really looking forward to that glad we got a little tease here and overall the Netflix series I think we're back on track here we're, we're going into what is probably going to be one of the bigger series with Punisher and then we're going to follow that up here with what's coming out with the rest of them Luke Cage season 2 is confirmed Jessica Jones season 2 Daredevil season 3 so we've got a lot coming at us a lot of content to review. And I'm hoping down the road, Kyle, we can have you back here on the Nerd Room to review some more, whether it's films, Netflix series, or whatever. You're always welcome here, man. It's been absolutely fantastic having you here.
1: I, you say the word and I will be here, man. This has been so much fun. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, it's been great. So Kyle, before we sign off here, I do you tell everyone where they can find you on the internet and what you've been up to kind of roaming around in the Star Wars and Tumbling Saber podcast?
1: Uh, well, I'm at Tumbling Saber on Twitter, on Facebook, and on Instagram. I, I love just chatting Star Wars and all things geek on the social media, so come say hi. I would love to follow you back and, and have all kinds of fun with you there. And um, like Tim said, I we've got the Tumbling Saber podcast. We <laughs> Every week my brother and I get together and break down the Star Wars news and ramble about a whole bunch of random stuff for sometimes we, we just go way too long. And <laughs> um, that's why they make a stop button, <laughs> but um, we have an awful lot of fun doing that. And we've we've also got Sith Disturbers, Journals of the Willing, and and something new coming out uh, late this week. So as you listen to this podcast, it may or may not already be dropped. We'll we'll see. Yeah. But something new is coming. No. And Rebels. And of course, oh, yeah. I can't even. I can't. Ooh. I can't not mention Rebels. Yeah. It's. So we're we're busy busy over at Tumbling Saber. Yeah. A lot of Star Wars content.
0: And these guys are an absolute appointment listening for me. All their different podcasts absolutely nail it it's 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 great to have the, the the niche podcast with the journals of the willing sith the servers is a lot of fun that's usually one of my friday listenings and why don't you tell everyone quickly about your patreon program
1: oh well you know what we decided that you know because we generate so much content that we we just wanted to see if we can offset our costs so we have the powerful friends program which uh which we set up for like two three bucks a month and it gives you. We decided to take Sith Disturbers, which a lot of people enjoy. It's just me and my brother being completely flaky and sometimes a little crass, but always very nerdy. So we took that show and we just put it completely underground. It is exclusive to our powerful friends, as we call them, and it that show will never go public again. Uh, it's it's exclusively for people who just are good enough to support us. So uh, we do that there. We also do newsletters and giveaways. Uh, we gave away a 40th anniversary Tuscan Raider a few I weeks ago. That. Yeah, that went across to the UK. So we do international shipping. <laughs> <laughs> no worries about that. We're about to give away a couple of three and three quarter Luke's in a couple weeks' time, and um, our director of promotions, Chop Rules with a Z, he's with he's Z. let me in on a couple of other procurements that he's picked up for the uh, for the giveaway. So yeah, we just love spoiling our listeners. We love to uh, just. Thanks for listening. Here's here's a 40th anniversary figure. Here's a Black Series figure. Here's here's old man Luke. Live it up, guys. <laughs> That's
0: yeah. awesome. High recommend for me for for all these things, all the things that these guys do. I'm a I'm part of the Powerful Fans Friends, Friends program and I'm loving getting sister servers here and I'm looking forward to to see what Corey's got rolling down for uh, the next giveaway here. And um, it's gonna be fun, man. Oh yeah, it, it's great stuff. Make sure you get over there and check out everything that Tumbling Saber's doing. And Tumbling Saber, like us at the Nerd Room here, we're also part of the Star Wars Commonwealth. So there's a whole slew of different podcasts out there, including Talk Star Wars, Generation X-Wing, of course, Tumbling Saber, got Rogue Squad Pod, Skyhoppers, and San Diego Saber. So everyone's pumping out all kinds of content. We're building into The Last Jedi here, so there's going to be... Just a mountain of podcasts to get through here in the next little bit. And we always try to summarize uh, all what's going on in the Commonwealth over on the nerdroom.net. Try to once or every two weeks and just give people some insight as to what everyone's doing. And for us here at the nerdroom, if you'd like to be part of this show, you can always email us at the nerdroom at gmail.com. You can hit us up on Twitter. Our handles are always at the end of the episode. You can comment on our Facebook. Or YouTube pages, or you can grab us over at our website, thenerdroom.net. You just go over to contact us. You can find us there and you can scroll through some of the posts that we do up there. We're not a late breaking news type of website. We're more of a, let's fill in some of the content we don't get to on the podcast and fill in some of that content that is better suited in written form. So that's what you're going to find over at nerdroom.net. And we're going to be back next week and we're also going to be continuing our MCU retrospective series with Avengers when we find some time to actually sit down and record it, which is proving to be more difficult than we'd like. But it will be dropping at some point this September. This past- September. We only got a couple more yeah, weeks, past- so we're running out of time here. And come back every Thursday where we talk comic books and movies. We're going to be discussing some of the new movies, doing some preludes. We've got Thor Ragnarok coming up here. We've got Kingsman as well there's a lot dropping Justice League, so I can make fun of Sanjay a bit more for yeah. the DC extended <laughs> Universe. So we got a lot of content dropping so make sure you come back to the nerd room every single Thursday go check out Tumbling Sabre every single Tuesday and Friday and join up with their patreon program. And again Kyle, thank you very much for joining us here on the nerd room. Yeah thanks man.
1: It's been a joy man guys, it's been so much fun getting to actually talk with you guys for once. yeah it's 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 been really, really fun.
0: Awesome. Well, we hope to have you back sometime soon. And for The Nerd Room, I'm Tim. I'm Troy. And I'm Kyle. And thank you for entering The Nerd Room. This has been a Nerd Room podcast production. You can find our hosts, Tim, Troy, and Sunjay, on Twitter at the the TroyTheBoy87, and Sunjabby. For more content from The Nerd Room, check out TheNerdRoom.net. And don't forget to subscribe to The Nerd Room on iTunes, Podbean, and YouTube. Be sure to head over to StarWarsComenwealth.com to find more podcasts in the Star Wars Commonwealth Podcast Network, including Talk Star Wars, Tumbling Saber, Generation X-Wing, Rogue Squadron Podcast, Skyworks Podcast, and San Diego Sabers. Follow the Star Wars Commonwealth on Twitter at SWCommonwealth and take your first steps to a larger world.